0: Father, this morning we bow our knees before your majesty. Who are we without you? Father, we stand this morning in all of your glorious presence. We worship you, we reverence you, we adore you. We cast down our crowns and our medals, our titles, our epaulets, everything that we have and everything that we are cast it at your feet this morning as we give you worship honor and praise and I pray that as we step into this other session this morning please father open the book for us holy spirit thank you for divine inspiration thank you for filling our mouth with your word this morning unveil the heart of the father to us decode the mysteries father bring us closer to you draw us to yourself this morning I pray that at the end of this session your name alone be exalted Lord as your word is preached this morning move by your spirit and heal the sick not just in this hall where we are but even across the nations as people watch online heal the sick deliver the captive may chains and yokes be broken At the sound of your voice The Bible says the voice of the Lord Breaks the cedars of Lebanon Father may the people that are bound By Satan, by religion By occultism, by the powers of darkness Be set at liberty As your word goes forth this morning Work miracles, signs and wonders By the working of the Holy Spirit this morning We return glory and honor to you Lord In Jesus name and every believer in the house will say amen three times. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you may be seated, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah. Once again, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to serve God's people. I want to sincerely believe that you were blessed yesterday. Anybody, you feel like it was worth coming? Let me see your hand. It was worth being here. Glory be to God. This morning we are trusting God to even take us deeper into the river. Hallelujah. And in this session where I bring you greetings from my wife, she asked me to greet you. Amen. And we want to salute all of you that are following across the globe. The Lord richly bless you. From the comfort of your homes and your offices and wherever you're watching from. May the Lord reach out to you and do something special in your lives. In Jesus' name. So this morning I want to take this opportunity to share with you my second rapture to heaven. Now if I have time, I will I will combine my second and my fourth because they're kind of similar in the flow and the delivery of what God give me for the church. Now, you will notice that in my presentation. I I will endeavor to tell you less about how beautiful the streets are and the houses and all of that so we can dwell more on the message. Hallelujah. You know, when a head of state, like the president of Nigeria, sends an emissary to go see the president of Cameroon or the president of another nation, whenever he comes out of the interview or the the private discourse with the president the journalist will be waiting to ask so what was it about not so much about w- which drink he gave you how beautiful were the the seeds no what we want to know is what is the message what did he say so i want to dwell on what he said and the drinks he gave me and the, everything i saw is good but not that very necessary the most important thing is that someday you get there yourself so you can see. That's what God wants. Hallelujah. And it's my prayer. Now, I want you to know that from the time Jesus died and the veil was torn entwined from top to bottom, the way is open. You haven't been there, not because God is by us. He said you will seek me and you will find me if, if you do what? all of your heart. I told you yesterday, he doesn't show himself to casual seekers. See, when you say to God that you want to see his glory, it's like telling a young lady, lift up your skirt, I want to see you. You know, God doesn't wear clothes like us. In fact, even this one we are wearing is a mark of the fall. Because before the fall, or did they have this? Now, some version, I mean, Genesis says they were both naked and not ashamed. But they, when they mean naked, it didn't mean they were naked, like no, Adam and Eve in the garden were clothed in glory, just as God Himself is clothed in glory. And the Bible says, All have seen. And have been deprived of the glory. It's when the glory left them that they discovered they had, and they went to hide. So the garment that they wore in the Garden of Eden was not this material we boast about. You know that's why you, it's an insult to God that you are standing on the pulpit and you are talking to people of the people of God and you're telling them about your, your how, how expensive your suit, how much of your how much is your shoe, and whatever not. Hallelujah! So when you're telling God you want to see his glory You are telling him you want him to lift his robe So you can see who he is As he is And his question back to you is Are your eyes worthy to see? Can I undress before you? So that's why when you start searching, seeking God And you start pursuing God It will take time for him to usher you in Because he wants to make sure your motives are right. He wants to make sure that the real reason why you want to see is not just so you have some story to tell. Amen. Now I know some of you in your quest for encounters and intimacy with the Father, you started and along the way you got tired and said, well, you know what? It looks like this thing is working just for some people and not for all. No. It will work for all men everywhere everywhere. If they all follow the pattern He says It's said in the Bible God is no respecter Of persons In any nation Nigeria, Cameroon, America South Africa, anywhere If any man will practice righteousness That man is acceptable Amen So during my first rapture We were in the temple remember in the evening during worship i stopped in the midst in the middle in the midst of the music i stopped lifted up my hands father since i have been serving you you have never taken me to where you live and suddenly boom i was taken found myself walking with an angel on a stretch and then a staircase appeared from nowhere and we started climbing got in front of this big white door the angel got close to the door the door opened he entered i entered after him and the door closed during my my second rapture that occurs some two weeks after the first, we were still in the sanctuary during worship. That's why I, I, I you know I, when I whenever I go to conferences, I want to be part of the worship. Because I know real things take place in the atmosphere of worship. As you worship him, he draws you closer, or he draws closer to us as we worship him. So during worship, once again, my hands lifted up to God. And this time I didn't say no prayer. I was caught up in worship and then boom, I was taken. Now I was; she was standing by me the second time and she just noticed how I dropped. And when I dropped on the, I mean my body dropped on the ground, she knew he's gone. Now this time, we didn't time how, how long it was, The first, the second encounter. The first encounter lasted seven hours. The second encounter with, I don't know how long it lasted, but it lasted quite long. When I was taken up, this time there was no angel, no staircase, no gate, no. I I was caught up and I got in front of this gate. I was standing outside and the gate was half open and the Lord Jesus standing on the other side. He was wearing a long white sparkling robe with a blue skirt on his, you know, a blue like the blue of the suit of the pastor there. A blue uh, sash on his on his chest. And I stood outside waiting. And after a while, he turned to me with a smile. Oh my God. When you see that face and that smile. All of the money of your central bank times 100 cannot buy the joy of that moment i mean his face was all lighted up he on with a broad smile he turned to me and said nyangok i've been waiting for you come let's go and like a little kid i ran to him see my joy of that moment is indescribable. You can't describe it. You don't have English words. No word in English or French or all of our languages that is are strong enough to describe that moment. That instant is eternity. And I ran and I caught up with him. I was st- standing on his left side and then we walked on that street. This was another city altogether. The one I saw the first time was one city. This second time another city. The mansions this on this side are bigger and more gorgeous than the first one. So when we all get there, we're not going to live in the same, it's not the same dimensions. But see, whether big mansion or not, the most important is to get there first. True? Oh, we have to get, you got to get there. Now, if you get there and you have no house, just look for a person, Yang If you get there and you don't have a place to stay, just ask for, where is Apostle Nyangok? There will be surely some rooms left in my... No. We all must get there. By all means. Hallelujah. Whatever it takes, you must get there. So I caught up with the master. And then we we began to walk on that street. And still, not walking like this, I told you yesterday, we were kind of floating. And we were walking towards the city we from the gate walking towards the city and halfway into this on the street now see as we were walking by the roadside the road was pure gold and by the roadside precious stones of different colors and different sizes i mean the beauty of it see i was looking at the precious stones with just the corner of my eye because i didn't want to take my eyes off the master my full attention was on him I was, you know, with the corner of my eyes, I was looking at things around, but I didn't want to lose my focus on him. You know, sometimes when I share this experience, I have one of my brothers, (laughs) a pastor, an apostle. He will listen to me say, oh, Papa Nyangok, you are too spiritual. If it is me, Jesus takes me there, I would carry my little bag in the pocket. (laughs) Then as we are walking, these stones you are describing, I would tell Jesus, wait, wait, wait. I'll first load the bar. And I tell him, that's why he will never take you there. <laughs> because you are too canna. But I told you yesterday, until the flesh is crucified, until every ambition is dead in you, that's why you cannot see him, see him and live. The day you see him, everything that is passion, ambition, and flesh fizzles out of you. So I'm walking with him. And then we walked on certain almost halfway on the street. We stopped. On the other side of the street, some people were walking. They were angels. I knew they were angels. But they were dressed like the bricklayers, like people who build houses here. And they were running up. They are, are walking there. So the Lord said to me, look at what these men are doing. And I said, they are doing, doing the mortar. You know, here when we do mortar, we do cement and water and sand and mix it to build houses, right? And Jesus said to me, look carefully at what material they are using. And as I look close, it was gold, pure gold. And Jesus said, look at the material I am using to build the houses in which you, the saints, are, are going to live here. How come you, my servants, you have given the impression to the earth that I am so unable to finance my work on the earth to the point that you are forced to resort to techniques and gimmicks to collect money from people? When he said that, I said, "Lord, you you, are, you do well to mention this money issue because it was one of the issues that was burning my lips." Remember when I came back the first time and I finished telling my, of my first encounter to my wife, she asked me, did you ask the Lord all the other questions that we had? I told her, Mama, the first time I went, I was so much in tears, I was so much broken by the issue of idolatry that I didn't even have time to ask. I wept so much that I didn't even have time to, to ask him any question. And then she told me, how could you have gone this far, I mean that, to that place, and then you come back to, with questions. I said, ma'am, you don't know what I I experienced. I mean, the atmosphere there was not such that you could ask any question. I was weeping for my soul. I didn't think of any other thing. I could see that she was a little bit disappointed. Then, like by a statement of faith, I just told her, it is usually said there is no one without two. So, if it has happened once, I'm sure another opportunity is going to come. And I promise you, the next time I get an opportunity to, to see him again, I'm going to grab him by the by his belt, like Jacob. And I said, I will not let you go until you answer all. And then he said, I knew that you had the questions. That's why I came. So, and then I said, you need to explain to me this issue about money. See, as a young minister, I've served under my fathers. And I've been to, we, every year we organize conferences, cap meetings, whatever seminars. And every time we finish a conference, we always finish with deficit. The money is never enough. So I kept asking my fathers, so what is this thing that we, every year the conference is finished, everybody's gone home happy, but we have 2 million, 3 million, 4 million bill that is left to be paid and we don't know where to get the money. And every time I, they will send me to go and negotiate with the hotel. So I signed a, 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 an undertaking that we are coming back. So every time we finish a program, I will always go home broken, disappointed, asking questions. I will tell my wife, what is this thing? It's surely something that we are not getting. Because I don't think that God is like this. You know? So, that day I, I had an opportunity to ask him. I said, this thing has bothered me for, for a long time. And he says, I want to answer your question. Are you ready for this? Now I know some of the things I will say may be borderline with the excess that we see out there but listen to me with the ears of the spirit. So Jesus said to me Guess imagine that you went back to Cameroon. I remember when I was caught up I'm still in America. So, imagine that you went back to Cameroon today and in the streets of Yaounde you met you meet any ordinary Cameroonian and you tell him I'm just coming from the presidency. The Unity Palace, that's how our president said. I'm just coming from the Unity Palace and I met with, the, with President Paul Bia. I was like, oh, so you know him. <laughs> I was shocked to hear Jesus call. I mean, I'm in heaven and Jesus is talking to me about Paul Bia, my president. I, oh, so you know him. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, since I came back from heaven, I've sent message. I said, anyone that knows the president, tell him that when I was in heaven... Jesus mentioned him by name. So the day he gives me audience, I'm going to tell him exactly what he needs to do to meet this Jesus before he leaves the earth. So if the president is watching me, I want to t- I have a message for you. So he said, imagine that you went back to Cameroon on the street and you met any ordinary Cameroon and told him that the president received you and gave you this letter and asked you to take it to Douala to the governor. But he didn't give you transport. So you have to go around and hustle and talk to one or two friends to get money or borrow from people to go and, and do the work that, I, I, the, I mean, give the letter of the president. What would be the reaction of a normal Cameroonian in the street? You see, a normal Cameroonian would say, my friend, come on, go tell this story somewhere behind Nigeria, in the bush somewhere there. Who will believe Nobody would believe you that you you saw the president. Because in the mind of a common citizen in our nation, if you have access to the president, and he can even give you an errand to run, you should be flowing with cash. Money shouldn't be any problem. And then he answered, the Lord said to me, that's exactly how I feel about you. Sometimes I want to open the heavens and shout to the earth and say, do not listen to them. I did not send them. Then I turned to him and said, no, no, Lord, you have been too hard with us. Sometimes to, be, to tell you the truth, it is difficult. Money is not that present. Sometimes we have noble ambitions. We want to do crusades or want to do a program that, I mean, for your glory and the cash is not there. Then he said, I want to explain to you where the problem is. I said, please. And then, look at this. While I was standing there with him, like a giant screen appeared in front of Remember, every time he would talk to me, I would hear him, but I would see. Like, I'm seeing everything that he's saying. I understood Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk said, I'm going to stand on my post and watch what he will say. So when he speaks, it is at the same time audio and visual. I will watch... What he will say when he speaks his words come with images so he's speaking to me he's speaking to me and then I'm seeing everything he's saying on a screen so this is me sitting in my office in Cameroon I mean I'm seeing myself he said who is that man there it's me I'm sitting in my office drafting the budget of our convention every year The first week of October, from the first to the eighth of October, we have our annual conference, and I want to extend invitation. You want to come? It's going to be a glorious moment. Hallelujah! Last year, was it last two years ago? Yeah, two years ago, during our convention, where one Friday night as we were worshiping the Lord, angels were seen physically dancing over the house our the people that were in the overflow outside captured that on the, with their phones and they were there for a long time before they disappeared so you want to come first first to eighth of october this year is going to be our, the garden of the nations hallelujah so this is me sitting in my office and drafting the budget. Now, that was then. Now, usually when we do budgets for conferences like this one, we start with expenditures. We're going to invite speakers. They're coming from this and this and this place. We're going to buy their tickets. We're going to lodge them. We're going to feed them. We're going to do all of this transportation, blah, blah, blah. You know, you have an idea of, you know, the list of all the things. We're going to do publicity, communication, everything. It's going to cost, then we said, uh, the convention is going to cost us this number of millions. Let's say 20 or 30 millions. The second, in the second, On the second page, where is this money going to come from? Number one, it's going to come from uh, the, the general offering. Like here, every day we do offering. You know, when we come worship God, we bring our offering. The offering helps us to pay the bills. We put offering. Last year, when we did the convention, the, the offering we collected was this amount if god helped us this year and we go a little further we anticipate that it's going to increase by so so and so it's just you know like a provisional budget so we said the offering we're anticipating that with the offering we're going to have this much second second point we're going to have special offering or partners offering all of our friends across the globe when they hear that we have a conference some of them will send support or they send their offering they are sending their seed we write down we're gonna do t shirts, follow gadgets, whatever and all that we sell across the, around the conference so that it helps us get in money to pay the bills. This year we are gonna do something better and you know. So every year we he said, Is that not what you do? I say yes. And then we say, If we if all this works out as we have planned it, we're gonna get this amount of money and we're gonna spend this. And usually the anticipation is that when the conference is ended, we should be left with something, some money in the account. So that next year when we are starting the conference, we are not starting from scratch. So after we've done these budgets, this tentative or provisional budgets, now we bring it to God in prayer. Lord, we command the north we, not, not wind to bring the south. You know how we pray. And then we start... Commanding money, Lord, make our people to be generous this year. May they give and so on and so forth. God said, is that, what you, is that not what you do? I said, exactly what we do. And I learned this from my fathers. And he said, that's exactly where the problem is. And I asked him, so where is the problem? Did you see the problem anywhere? Anybody saw any problem? Some people say yes and others say no. Yes, you said yes. So what? Where is the problem? I said you didn't start by asking him For the money for the budget You are starting from what we as humans Can give which is a paltry sum. Thank you Somebody else She said I didn't start by asking God for the money for the convention Yes mama You want to say something Yes let's hear from you Praise the lord Before you do the program You need to ask him whether you are going to do it or not Before he will give you money Okay, yes, now assume that I've asked him and he wants the program to be done. We're talking about how the money comes in. Yes, now he wants the program be, to be done. Okay, sir, what you are going to do is to ask him, what, like what mommy said, you ask him to give you, he knows where to get the money. Okay, thank you. And last person, only women are talking in this place. When Bible says women should not talk, no, 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 I'm, I'm, please. Yes, go ahead, my sister. God didn't have any money when he created the heavens and the earth. Okay. Yes. He didn't have any money when yes, he created the heavens He was not and focused on money. So yes. money is man-made. And um, a lot of times, instead of saying, okay, for example, most times you hear people say, I need money to buy a car. Instead of, I need a car. So it's better to focus on the need and not the financials. Okay. Thank you. So he said to me, that's where the problem is. And I said, Lord, I don't see where the problem is. He said, there's a problem. And then I asked him, so where is the problem? He said, in your list of income, my name doesn't feature anywhere. And I told him, Lord, your name can't feature here. Because all my life they taught me that God doesn't give money to people. How many of you were taught like me? That God doesn't give money to people that if someday you open your drawer and you see money, it's not God that put it there. Let me see your hand. Yeah, we all were taught like this. And then he looked at me with a smile. He laughed and said, I said, your name can't be in the list because we assume in the church that The offering we get, the money that people will send from left and right, north and south, and all of that. Even when we sell the gadgets and sell all the things that we sell around church to raise money for the to pay the bills. We we assume that it is you that is giving us the money. And then he said to me, you know, this budget that you did is called a marketing plan. I like, somebody talked about marketing yesterday. Is that Apostle Gideon? He said to me, see, what you have here in your paper is a marketing plan, a marketing strategy. For you to run this program, you don't need me. You just need someone that understands marketing and that can talk the people into doing what you want. And the money can come out. You can actually do your conference and pay all your bills and even have money left without me. Is it true? Yes, See, when people, when we sell gadgets, like we say, we have t-shirts, polos, uh, uh, towers, or, or whatever mantles that are sold outside there. Go and take a souvenir home from uh, uh, minister's conference 2023. Pe- do people pray before they go and buy those things? They don't. They just go on. They just buy because, and usually if you get someone that knows how to talk to people into doing something, he can actually sell the product without even praying. So he said, For you to execute this, execute this marketing plan you have made, you don't need me. And then I said, The Lord, the truth is, we were ta- I was taught from childhood, from my childhood in Christ, that God doesn't give money to people. And then he asked me the question So, who do you think put the money in the mouth of the fish that I sent Peter to go catch when we had to pay the taxes? And I said, Lord, you are doing well to use this scripture. Because that is the exact scripture that was used to tell us that God doesn't give money to people. And then I said, I said to him, before Peter was ever made an apostle, what was his profession? He was a fisherman. So sending Peter to the river to go catch a fish... And get money from his mouth to pay the bill. What are you asking him to do? You're asking him to go back to his office. To go back to his former job. Go and hustle. Get money. And come pay the bills. And Jesus said no. In fact that's the day. As I'm talking to him. That's the day I discovered Jesus never asked Peter to go and cast the net. He said take the line. And that the first fish that will come out of the river would have a coin in the mouth. So he said to me, I did not send Peter to go to the river to go and hustle, cast the net and catch 100 or 200 fishes and bring them out and and then as he will be searching by chance one will have a golden uh, coin in the mouth. I asked him to go to the river and the first fish that he will get out of the river will have a coin. That That will be enough to pay the bills and then we will continue the journey. And then I asked the Lord, so, but why didn't you make Peter just the money to just appear in Peter's pocket? Do you think that he could do that? Yes. I said, but you could just ask Peter to put his hand in the back pocket, knowing that he doesn't have any money on him, just tell him, Peter, put your hand in your back pocket on the right side, and then he will pull out a hundred dollar bill or a hundred euro bill. Listen to his answer. He said, I could do that. But for Peter, I didn't do that because I was minding Peter. He said, the Peter of the Bible was exactly like you. He was so religious and so square in his mind that if I did anything that didn't fit with what he learned from his fathers, that, was the, that, was the, that, that is the day I would have lost him. I said, okay. He said, see Acts chapter 10 now. We're talking about heavenly vision, right? In Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to the... Now, the Holy Spirit prompted Peter. He didn't hear a voice. He didn't see an angel. He didn't have a vision or a dream. The Holy Spirit prompted Peter to take up a fast and retreat to pray. Like we all get promptings from the holy spirit from time to time you feel the holy spirit is beeping you and prompting you to to take it take time out to be with him right yes. and god knows that we most of us if not all of us here are guilty of not obeying all the times anybody guilty like me That sometimes you know that the lord has been pushing you telling you take out time And then we all give all kinds of excuses. Like, oh now, now we have the conference, the minister's conference coming. I will do that after the conference. You know, you are not wiser than God. If he is prompting you now, you must be sensitive enough to know that now is the time. If you do it two weeks after that, you are not in God's agenda. You are doing your own religious thing. Now, when God, the Holy Spirit was prompting Peter to take out time, to fast and pray, Peter didn't know what was on God's plate. Right? So he took out, he obeyed the prompting, he took out a retreat, fasted the first day, fasted the second day. The Bible says on the third day, at the end of the day, he went up to the rooftop to pray and conclude his fast. And the Bible even makes mention of the fact that The food, the meal that he was going to eat was being prepared for him. And when he went up to the, to the, to the terrace or the, the the, the rooftop of the house, as he was praying, the Bible said he went into a trance and saw a vision. He saw the heavens open and he saw animals coming down from heaven, unclean and nap with unclean animals. Now, where do unclean animals come from in heaven? I hope I thought heaven was a clean place, but unclean animals coming down from heaven, and the voice of the Lord resounded. Peter, rise up, kill and eat. And Peter said, "No, Lord." Hey, brothers and sisters, you don't say no to the Lord. Never say no to the Lord. If Peter just said no, we, will, we may. Even given benefits of that. That he did not recognize the voice. No Lord. Peter said not so Lord. For I have never eaten anything. That is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again. The second time. What God had cleansed. That call not thou common. The vision happened once. The vision happened twice and then a third time three times in that occasion peter said no this was done thrice and the vessel was received up again into heaven see that day when peter said no to the lord listen to me something dramatic happened to peter the portfolio that God Jesus had given him was divided into four and one three three quarters of that portfolio was taken out it is to him that it was said you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it i will give you the keys Plural, the keys. Whatever you shall open, it will be open. Whatever you shut, it will be shut. Whatever you bind, it's mine. Whatever you lose. Hello? That day when he said no to the Lord thrice, the portfolio that God had given him was divided into four pieces and three quarters of it was taken out. That's when Paul... When Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, who disobeyed the heavenly vision? It's Peter. Paul said, The one who made Peter apostle to the Jews made me apostles to the Gentiles. Why? Because I was not disobedient. To the heavenly vision. Number one, how many times have the Lord prompted you to take a fast, to take a retreat, and you you postponed it because it wasn't convenient according to you? Now, see, when you look at this experience that Peter had carefully, you must fear God. We must. We all must fear God. See, what God wanted to do from Acts chapter 10 was, God was going to make a major transition in his modus operandi on the earth. Up until now, the gospel was confined only within Israel. The gospel was only for the Jews. The gospel had never gone, had not yet gone to the nations. And God, when he was prompting Peter to take up this first He wanted to bring Peter to the place where he could open up the next phase of his ministry, of his agenda. Peter fasted, but he wasn't ready enough. And God said, since you you don't want to go to the nations, I'm going to leave you here. Take care of the Jews. I'm going to find a crazy guy. And Paul said, that's why Paul said, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly mandate. I pray this morning maybe some of us may have missed out on God's agenda God's calendar for our lives You see when you miss out this moment you may continue doing ministry where you are just running your own race so everything you see Paul doing huh, was on Peter's portfolio taken away and transferred to see after Paul came into the scene after Acts chapter 10 you see Peter Acts chapter 12 and then that's it Peter kind of fizzled out disappeared from the scene now the chiefest of the Apostles will be who Paul because I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Peter who was supposed to be the key, the key holder, Peter who was supposed to be the chief of all the apostles, Paul now said, me that was not even supposed to be apostle because I persecuted the church. He made me, I labored more than them all. Nevertheless, not I, but the grace of God. Because the grace of God that was given to me was not vain. Something was transferred from Peter to Paul. See, Peter will even say at the end, towards the end of his journey, Peter will say, our brother Paul, he was not with us when we walked with the Messiah, when we ate with the Messiah, when we went to the mount with him, On the Mount of Transfiguration where we went with him at Gethsemane. Paul wasn't there. But this Paul is loaded with mystery that even we the old apostles struggle to understand. Because there was a transfer. See, the assignment that God has called you to carry out. There are 7,000 other prophets that are just waiting for you to say no. Because God can never be blackmailed and God can never be stranded. He said to Elijah, if you say that you are the only one left, I will prove to you that there are 7,000 others. They are just waiting for me. You are the one I chose to put in the limelight. If you say no now, the next minute someone is springing out some, somewhere. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I want us to stop here a moment and pray. Put your right hand on your head. And pray that the Lord will have mercy. Some of you, as I'm talking to you, you have a strong conviction that you have missed out on some of those moments. You know that God instructed you to carry out an assignment, ask you to do something particular. And for some reasons, good or bad reason, you delayed or postponed. How many of you know that delayed obedience is not obedience? So let's pray and, and beg God to have mercy on us. God, I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision anymore. After you have brought us to this conference, help us not to disobey the promptings. See, God doesn't always speak in English. God doesn't always speak the language that men, men speak. God speaks... In one way or the other The problem is that we humans We do not pay attention to the voice of God We are not careful To know that this is the voice Of the Lord The voice of the Lord is not always articulated In English or French The voice of the Lord is articulated In conventional and uh, non-conventional Ways Sometimes by promptings Sometimes by a a strong leading You just feel like God is leading me to It's when you obey at the outcome you will know that this was the voice of God. So God speaks to us all the times. And God knows that most of us, we are most of the times disobedient to the heavenly call, to the heavenly vision. Have mercy, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now look look at how the disobedience of Peter Will manifest Three times the vision happened And three times he said no The first and the second time God, God told him Do not call uncommon What God has blessed or what God has sanctified The third time God didn't say anything And then when the vision lifted up Peter came back to himself And the Lord See the Lord is merciful. God, immediately, he was ending the vision. The Lord told him, go down quickly because some men have come for you. Follow them. When you go home today, read Acts chapter 10 at break time. God, the voice said, follow them. Peter came down, saw these men that were sent by Cornelius. Started asking them questions about who are you, why are you coming for. No, no. Yet, God had told him, follow them. Peter made them stay the night with him. It is the following day that Peter went with them. Yet the voice had told him, follow them. Normally when Peter came down from the uh, roof and met these people, he he just had to immediately go with them. He had to take time all night, interview them, make them stay the night. Imagine their master sent them and said, go get Peter for me. And then these guys will not go back all day and all night. Now the next day, when Peter finally made it to Cornelius' house, listen to his speech. You know, sometimes we pray Acts chapter 10 verse 44, that while he was speaking and the Holy Spirit came. And we think that it was like there was a great outpouring. No. Peter got into the house of Cornelius and then this is how he started his discourse. Men and brethren, you know that people like me are not supposed to mingle with gentiles. The Holy Spirit came to shut the, shut his mouth. Though the Lord just by saying, "Peter, you are expired." While he was still making that kind of expired speech, Holy Ghost came and took over. The people started speaking in tongues. He said, "Shall we refuse water baptism?" So even in his mind, he wasn't ready to give them water baptism. Expired. Come on, say expired. expired. May you never be expired. Yeah. And may the work you are doing never be expired on God's agenda. Yeah. So the Holy Ghost came to tell Peter, finish. It's finished now. It's finished. We are moving on without you. See, when you look at Peter, who was given the keys of the kingdom. In the whole Bible, he has only two books. First Peter, five chapters. Second Peter, three chapters. The inspiration is dwindling. When Paul had written single handedly more than half of the New Testament, because I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So Jesus told me. Now I'm talking with Jesus. He's the one telling me all this. And I'm talking with him. He says, I could have I could have made money to appear in Peter's pocket. But just that his religious mind would not let him. If I did that that day, that would be the end of the journey with him. So that's why I had, I had to use a long road. Take him through the river. I mean, take him through familiar grounds. He, he understands the river because he's a fisherman. He knows the fish. But you know, Peter caught that fish. Now, this is the first fish. Not just... Any of the fish that was in the first. So it was a fish that was programmed and waiting for Peter to arrive. The fish saw Peter coming and positioned itself. The moment he sent in the, the line, that fish was the first to come out. When he opened the mouth of the fish, he saw gold, a golden coin. He picked the coin without asking for where the money came from. Now I want to ask you a question. I asked the question to the ladies. Imagine you go to the market marketing market and you buy fish to cook for your house and when you open the belly of that fish you find 10 notes of $100 clean and dry what will you do? Before you heard this message what will you do? <laughs> From your house to church it will just be two steps and you'll be in your pastor's house and say Papa, see, I've been telling you that the devil is pursuing me these bad dreams I have been having, Oh, see now. Uh, the marine spirit. Yeah. You will remember all the Mamiwatas and the marine spirits and all the stories of the ghosts that you have ever heard. But you see, Peter didn't ask himself those questions. When he saw the golden coin in the mouth of the fish, he knew. So I'm standing with Jesus, he asked me, Nyangok, do you really believe that a bird, a a raven, actually fed Elijah by the brook? I say yes. I preached on that so many times. Like all the time Elijah was by the brook, this raven came morning and evening with meat And bread. I said yes. So. Where was this raven taking the bread and the meat from? Do you know ravens? Which colors are they? It's a blackbird with a white collar. Like the Presbyterian pastors. We call him in Kavaru, Oazul Pastor. Now, this bird is reputed to be the stingiest of all the birds. Ravens don't even feed their youngs. But this bird brought fresh meat and bread to Elijah every day until God asked Elijah to move on to Zarephath. now imagine you are in your room and you are praying because you want to, you want to travel you want an air ticket or you want to do a, you have a program imagine before hearing this message while you are praying in your room a bird, a black bird for that matter appear in your room <laughs> what will you do? In fact, you'll be saying that fire looking for the door. And see, and the Lord Jesus said to me, you see, you believe more in the power of Satan than you believe the power of God. I don't know about Nigeria, but in Cameroon, we have, we have people, certain, particular certain tribes, where people are double into witchcraft. They do all this, we call them You know, they got into all this Occultism And then they make covenant with Satan And some And some, some of them say that Satan will give them a snake And every Monday morning By 8 o'clock The snake will come and, and deposit A certain amount of money by their bed And that money must be used Before a certain period And then before, before you know it One boy that was just a nobody In the neighborhood Become suddenly very rich. He starts building houses, buying cars, and all living a very flamboyant life. And then one, one day also he would die in a mysterious death. Bam, that's it, it's finished. It's African magic, right? We all know it. In the Nigerian movies and all of that. Right? Yes. We, but we believe that Satan can do that for his servants. But the church doesn't believe that God can do same. Now see, God is not the one imitating what Satan is doing with the servants. It is the other way around. Satan is the counterfeit of the original. Now, I have information for you. You know that fish that brought money to Peter is not a fish. And that bird that brought bread and meat to Elisha was not just a bird. They were all angels of the Lord. See, the day God told Elijah, Elijah to leave the brook and go to Zarephath, the bird did not come. It was not an animal, it was not coincidence. Now, Jesus is explaining that to me as we stand, as we stood there. And then he said to me, Nyangok, I still have angels that are going to and fro on the earth. That are in charge of sponsoring my work on the earth. But they do not come to you and they do not come to your brothers. For two reasons. Number one, because you do not even know that they exist. And number two... Your theology about financial supply limits them from coming to you. Now you know that angels, they carry human bodies, they can carry animals' bodies, they can carry birds' bodies, and heavenly bodies. You know that, right? Elisha was moving about with bears, hungry bears they were not wild animals they were angels in bears bodies so he said to me I still have angels that are going about sponsoring my work on the earth but they do not come to you And they do not come to your brothers or to your even to your fathers. Because number one, you do not know that they exist. And number two, your theology limits them. Now, he asked me, Do you believe that throughout Elijah's stay in Zarephath, in the widow's house, oil and flour was multiplied in the cruise and in the barrel? I said yes, of course then he said to me if I can multiply oil and flour in the barrel and in the cruise, I can multiply anything hello are you here? He said, I should have fed them with the finest of wheat. I should have. But they limited the Holy One of Israel. See, he asked me, do you believe that during my earthly ministry, I multiplied bread and I fed thousands of people? I said, yes. Now look at this. Come with me to John chapter 6. We're not going to read you because you know the scripture. John chapter 6. Jesus called Philip and asked Philip, Where shall we find bread? Listen to the question very well. Where shall we find bread to feed this multitude? The question was not, Do we have enough money? The question was, Where? Where? What was Jesus trying to find out? The closest bakery. You say? Not the source. He wanted to find out. Do you know the closest bakery to, from where we are now? The Bible said Philip left and went and inquired from Judas. Who was the, the, uh, the treasurer? How much money was in the coffers? and if the money was enough to buy bread and feed the multitude. But when Jesus asked the question to Philip, listen to this, Philip answered him, no, before Philip answered him, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? When shall we buy? Philip, I want to know where is the closest bakery? When Jesus now, uh, yeah, come back, verse 4. And this he said, look at, look, read the text with me. This he said, Amen. to prove him for he himself knew what he would do. The question is, what was Jesus going to do? We do not know. The Bible doesn't tell us. So Jesus has a question to Philip, just to test Philip. You see if Philip understands these dynamics. I'm, I'm trying to pass across. So, Philip did what we all naturally would do. He went and inquired, How much money do we have? They told him how much. He did the maths and came back to Jesus. He said, The money that we have, in the coffers, even if we buy bread with all the money, we will not be able to feed these people. So, what we should do is send the people home and then. Let everyone go and hustle for himself. No. Andrew, that was passing by when Jesus was talking to Philip, heard Jesus mention bread, and he did the karambani we talked about yesterday. Did Jesus talk to Andrew? Was Andrew concerned with the conversation? No. Andrew just heard Jesus asking Philip about the bread. Andrew went to the to, into the camp. And started asking for, "Hey, is there anybody that has bread here? I Heard the master say he needs bread." The master didn't say he was looking for some bread. What Andrew did is called karambani. So, Philip when Philip was giving account to Jesus, saying that the money was not enough to buy bread for the people, here comes Andrew running and sweating. Oh Lord, I heard you talk about bread. And I don't know if this can do. That wasn't Jesus' plan. So when Andrew brought the bread, Jesus said, okay, since you brought this one, we'll use this one. So make the people sit down. The people sat down. Jesus took bread. After he had given thanks to the Father, he broke it and gave to his disciples to distribute Are you with me? As they were giving... See, it is not in Jesus' hand that the bread was multiplied. It is in the hands of the apostles as they went. They will break the bread and give to one person. Then the bread will grow. Break it, give, and the bread... The bread kept growing as they broke it. And as the people received the bread, when they would bite the bread... They will bite the bread, the bread. (laughs) Now look here. When they all finished eating and they were, they were all satisfied, the Bible says they now collected how many baskets? Twelve baskets. The question is, where were the baskets from? Who brought the baskets? These guys have been there three days listening to Jesus. Did they come with baskets? So where are these baskets from? Now it is the baskets that give us a little view on what Jesus had in mind. What was the master going to do? We do not know, but the basket tells us there was already a setup. Andrew with his karambani came and disrupted the master's setup. But at the end of the day, 12 baskets were taken home. Are you here? Yes, sir. So, the Lord said to me, I still have angels. They are here. You, see, you don't have to resort to men to do the work God has given you. He said to me, "Nyango, you don't need no man. The day you will ever need a man, you would have stopped needing me. I know there are a lot of fleshly, carnal, earthly messages that are being preached. That you need a John the Baptist. You don't need a John the Baptist. You need God. Man of God. You don't need a John the Baptist. You don't need an advertiser. You need God. God in his time, if he needs a John the Baptist for you, he will raise one. But you don't go out looking for a John the Baptist that will open you a door. You are the, don't, you're not looking for a connection. You're not looking for an open door. See, I say everywhere in the world, the work of God does not need money. The work of God needs God. Man of God. The work of God does not need money. It needs god the man of god too doesn't need money you don't need money your need is not money the day you start needing money you would have shifted from him as a man of god you need god when you have him when it's time for money he can manifest money from anywhere He can give it to you directly. He can put it in your pocket. He can wire it in your account. He can cause someone in Germany to give you. He can cause wise men to cross the desert two years to bring silver, gold, and frank incense to you. He can cause a widow to give it to you. He, he, can, he has 1,001 ways of making money come to you. So you don't need money. The problem with us is that it's money we want. Our focus is not him. Our focus is money. The day I will get money, my ministry will go to the next level. My friend, forget. The day I get God. See, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. Did he preach about breakthrough? He didn't preach no breakthrough. In fact, he didn't even preach in Zacchaeus' house. He just had... When Zacchaeus stood up and said, I'm giving half of my wealth to the Pope, did Jesus ask him for offering? Yes, so what, what compelled Zacchaeus to give that kind of seed? You need God. You don't need money. He said to me, Nyango, I'm standing with him, he said, Nyango, you don't need no man. And you don't need money. The day you will need a man, and the day you will ever need money, you would have stopped needing me. You see? see? I Listen to this, he said to me. Whenever anybody comes to give you money, the first thing you must do, he's telling me, the first thing you must do is inquire from me. Are you the one sending this person? If he's giving me an offering, is that offering acceptable? So don't live your life in the service of God looking out for who is going to give us the biggest offering. See, I told you yesterday about Elisha. Is it Elisha? Naaman came with about six million dollars offering. Naaman, Elisha didn't go out to talk to him. It's not that Elisha was very rich. No. Elisha had understood that his need is God. He's not looking for human connection. Who will connect me to a governor? Or who will connect me to the president so I can... As a matter of fact, let me tell you this. It applies in most nations, if not in all nations. The day you go to the governor or to the president, the last thing you should collect from them is their money. I didn't hear your amen. I know some of you are praying that the governor will receive you so he can give you some money. Now see, if a man is not godly, he's an occult, he's a whatever not, he's in all this stuff, and he's sponsoring your ministry, what interest does he have for your ministry to boom? Does he have any interest? If that guy is loyal to Satan, what interest does he have that you go, your ministry goes to the next level? He doesn't have no interest. So most of the time, He will give you money in exchange for the grace of God that you carry. And in many nations, starting from this one, to my nation, to every other nation, many voices have risen in in our, in our continent, in our countries, that were bought over by the politicians and the governors and whatever not. They became rich, they became popular, but the voice was quenched. You can get money and build bigger than this. Build a great great cathedral. You can build a dome. You can build anything. You have the money to do that. But you're no more speaking for God. You become an echo. That's what happened with Nehemiah. When Gehazi went and collected the offering, it was an exchange. He wasn't offering, he was giving him. Are you here? Yes, sir. So boy, you don't need no man. The day you will ever need a man, you would have stopped needing me. See, God will choose at any moment in your walk with him what to cho- use or who to use. And see, when you get to that place, you know that today God is using this man. This is the brother God is using to help us do what we are doing. But we do not depend on this brother and this brother can leave church anytime he wants to leave if someday I preach a message and he's angry and he wants to go he's free to go and we're not going to run after him because he has money because we know the one that brought him will bring another one so we are not preaching looking at his face whether he likes the message or not <laughs> in most churches we preach looking at the rich guys Are they happy with the message? Do they like the message? If they don't like the pastor will switch. And preach something else. That will make them happy. So that they keep giving. When we know that our supply is heavenly. We do not look to human faces. Did I hear you amen? See the camp where we were in Ashland. Was founded by a couple, a missionary couple, the Hefflings. This couple was so poor in the days of the Azusa Street Revival. And you know, when the Azusa Street hit, the Azusa Street Revival hit America. There were camp meetings holding across America. And you know, to attend the camp meetings, people had to you had to register, pay for your accommodation, pay for everything. In America, there's no free lunch there. You pay for everything. You pay to attend the conference. You pay for everything. So this couple—they were so poor; they didn't have so much. They didn't have much money, so they will go for a camp meeting. They can only stay as as long as their money will allow. And more often than not, they will leave the camp meeting before the end. In fact, when it's getting hot, that's when they have to leave because the, their money is finished. So one day they are driving back to their, to Richmond, uh, uh, Virginia, in their little old car. And crying because they are telling God. But we want to be in this move. We want to enjoy this move of God. What is this thing that we have to pay money to attend a conference or to come and hear the word? And they said to God, if you will bless us and you will give us the means, we will build a facility where people will come the world over and they will, we will lodge them for free, feed them for free and teach them the word of God for free. They prayed that prayer in their car. When they got back to their base, shortly after that, one morning, they got a call. Am I talking to the heavens? They said, yes. And the man on the other side said, I need to see you. I have a word of the Lord for you. So they made a date, and then they met. This man is a magistrate in America. The man said, I was praying this morning, and the Lord said that the ranch that I have in Ashland i should give it to you because you need it for the work of god that's how the man gave them this place that has now become a prayer mountain and they said this few days ago we were praying and talking to god about this and the man gave it to them says please use it to do what god asks you to do it is huge it's a whole village so they started building Little by little, they started building that camp. If you go to America someday, you want to visit Ashland, you want to visit the campground. It's a whole complex. They built it with their hands. And the Lord began to supply in supernatural ways. Now, they started organizing camp meetings where people will come from the world, the world over. Lodge for free, fed for free throughout your stay. Two meals a day. We were there for three months. Paid no in fact, when you come in, you sign in and you give caution fee two dollars for the key that they give you for your room. The day your stay is over, you go back, sign out, they return your two dollars. In America, the capital of capitalism, <laughs> they will return your two dollars after they have fed you. And giving you the word of God for free, we stayed there three months. In fact, most people are even ashamed to collect the two dollars when they, you go back and you sign, and they want to give you. Your, they put your two dollars in the envelope. If you didn't misplace your key, the two dollars is. If you misplace your key, they use your two dollars to do manufacture another key. If you didn't misplace your key, they return your two dollars, free, completely free. Now history says that. Mama Hefflin, every evening when they do offering, the, the the finance department people will come to her and say, "Mama, we collected the offering tonight, and we got one thousand dollars. Just saying a figure." And then she will ask them, "How much money do we need tomorrow to feed all these people?" Remember, it's free. So all these people are here; they eat for free, they sleep, they lunch for free. And the finance will tell them, "Tomorrow we need like five thousand dollars." Mama Hefflin will take the offering basket. And come to the pulpit in front of everybody and say, Lord, we need five thousand dollars to feed the people tomorrow. The offering we've collected this night is only one thousand. So, Lord, make it five thousand so that tomorrow we will not struggle. And she will put the money on the altar and start counting it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one thousand. One, two, three, four, five, six. The money will not stop until she makes it five thousand. When he hits 5,000, she will tell everybody, can we clap for it? People came from all over to come and witness, come and see. How God supplied needs. The God who multiplies oil and flour in a barrel can multiply anything. It is called supernatural supply. He still does the same today. Now we are not talking about miracle money. Take your phone. I'm going to pray and someone No, we're talking about your. See, that's why idol, idolatry must be completely rooted out of your heart, so that you are not following money. So that when God starts doing this, you don't build a, 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 a monument and you start worshiping it. No. the love of money must have been dealt with in your heart so that when he gives it to you you don't buy 15 private jets and say who in Nigeria has many more private jets than me no see Ruth Hefflin their daughter when when this old couple passed away Ruth Hefflin their daughter took over the camp and Ruth Hefflin said one day the Lord said to her if you will talk to me more than you will talk to them talking about the people i will do for you what you cannot now i will make them do for you what you cannot make them do when you are the one talking to them if you talk to me god if you look up to me god more than you look up to men i will cause men to do for you what you cannot make them do when you are the one talking to them See, Ruth Heflin, until she went to be with the Lord, Became was the spiritual mother to Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton was paying his tithe to Ruth Heflin and to the camp in Ashland until Ruth died. What I'm telling you is documented. You can check it. History says that when Bill Clinton was about to be impeached because of the story you know with Monica and so on, One night, Ruth was praying in her room. And the Lord came to her and said, Talk to my servant, Bill, and tell him if he will give glory to me and appear before America and own up his sin and repent publicly, I will be merciful to him and I will save him. And Ruth said to God, Where do I see Bill? I don't know where he lives. And the Lord said to to her, Tomorrow morning, call brother so-so and so, he will tell you what to do. In the morning, she called the brother and said, this is the message God gave me last night for the president, that if he will come up and and confess his sin publicly, God will show him mercy. Then the brother said, wait, 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 give me a, for some moment, I'll, I'll get back to you. She called back, the, the brother called back shortly after that, and said, hey, Ruth, the president is online. Can you tell him the message? And Ruth gave the message to Bill Clinton, and Bill said, "No, you need to come and see me. I need to see your face, because to go and say to America that yes, uh, the story this girl is saying is true, <laughs> you know, you have to be sure that God is the one talking." So Ruth went to the State House, uh, to the White House, and told the president that this God said to me last night that if you would do this, He will rescue you, He will save you, He will write your name in the annals of America and make you one of the best president America has ever known. And that's how Bill came out and said and confessed publicly by Ruth's instruction. You need God. Even to go to the state house, you want to see president you are using uh, the ways of man, the wisdom of man. No. If you stand in the place of prayer, looking to him, he can take you anywhere. So when God rescued Bill Clinton from the impeachment and the, the big scandal that was coming over him, Until Ruth Heflin passed away, he was paying his tithe to the campground in Ashland. Our problem is we look with the eyes of men. See, as I'm talking to you now, we are building a small church in our, our headquarters. The budget is 500 million safer. And our church is just full of young boys and young girls, students. When you see them, we don't have ministers, we don't have directors, we don't we don't even need them. I told you the work of God doesn't need money, it needs and God is helping us. It's been three years. Next year is the dedication of the building. It's going to be finished next year. We thought this year, but we have been delayed a little bit. Next year, we're going to dedicate the temple. And I want Apostle Arume to be there with me for the dedication. See, the money comes from sources you have no idea. The Lord supplies in a strange and see. In Ashland, eh, during worship, precious stones drop from heaven. You know that. In our see, when I came back to Cameroon, diamonds were falling in the services. You know at the time I stopped it because people were coming to our meeting not to see God. They were coming for the time where we say uh, we're going to pray now. So I stopped it. If you will let God circumcise your heart, there's nothing you cannot do. There's no place you cannot go. John chapter 3 verse 30 and 31. Can we read that? John 3:30 30, 31. He must increase but I must decrease. See, there are dimensions he is not going to take you into until you have made this prayer your own. That it doesn't matter how far. See, before God began to take us on this journey, he made us promise. My witness is here. One morning the Lord said, promise me that when I take you to the highest place, number one, you're not going to become proud. Number two, you're going to remain simple and accessible. See, when you come to my place, I don't work protocol, heavy protocol. And he, you have been... No, I don't do that. No. I'm not saying that it's bad. It's my covenant with him. I don't do it. I'm telling you the truth. And on this, I'm not saying that so I can give myself some... No. He told me if you will say anything that I ask you to say. No man on this earth that is born of a woman can put his hand on you. He gave me a legion. Listen to this. Some people think I'm bold. How can you say some of these things? I'm not bold. I'm just on that. His hand is on me. He gave me a legion. He said, you see, they will be with you everywhere. Some of them with lion faces, some of them with bears' faces, some of them, I mean, different faces of angels that he said they are escorting you everywhere you go. You don't need man's cover. It doesn't mean we cannot we are not prudent, it doesn't mean we become careless. We've seen diamonds, precious stones fall in the meetings. But the moment the people started worshipping that. You know, they will come for it. The Holy Spirit said, stop. Until you bring them to the place of sanctification where it is God. When they see this, they will worship him. Not the thing. And you don't need it. And some of the things he will even do them with you and say, keep them for you. It's for a time and a time and half a time. Some of them I don't have permission to tell you. I can't even tell you here on the media where the world is listening. See, our God is not a man. He works in mysterious ways. Are you here? I want to stop here. I want us to pray. Now, before I pray, you may be here. You are, some of you ministers are here. And the Lord has given you a mandate. The Lord is giving you an assignment and you are looking around and saying in your church how can we carry out this assignment my people are not rich I don't have governors and senators you don't need them if God brings them that's okay but you don't need them see Elijah in the house of the widow of Zarephath it is the widow that needed Elijah and not the other way not not, the, not Elijah Elijah did not need the widow see if God brings senators and governors and presidents in this church, it is the governor and the senator that needs us. Oh. It is the governor and the senator that needs us, not the way not that we thank God that now God has connected us to a governor that has money. No. The governor should go home and thank God that now you have made me you have connected me to Apostle Arumi. Or to Apostle Gideon, or to Pastor, o, I don't know what your name is. In the days of old, it is a king that will fall at the prophet's feet and say, My father, my father, the charters of Israel and the horsemen thereof, because that's what you represent. So, when that governor is giving you his offering, it is a privilege for him. When he gives you his offering and you receive it from him, he feel, he go home and feels honoured. Not that you the governor sees you and says "Oh God, we know." So, <laughs> by the grace of God, you know. No. Are you here? Yes, Shall we stand? So I cherish the. Old rugged cross (laughs) in my trophies at last I I will clean Cherry. Come on, lift your hands. Time is up. When I get a chance, I'm going to tell you about my fourth visit to heaven. The fourth time he took me to heaven. The three times he took me, the first three times he took me to heaven we were in Ashland in the U.S. The fourth time we already we were back in Cameroon. And we were in our closet, prayer closet with my wife praying when the angel came and said, I came to take you. I'm not talking about took me in a dream it just appeared in our room say so I came to see. This fourth time he took me to the treasury house of heaven It's bigger than the Central Bank of Nigeria I'll tell the story another time But for now I want to pray See if your heart is sanctified and your heart is burning for him, and you want to live to glorify. I want to pray for you. See, uh oh my god, we don't... Pastor. Is it okay, Eva? I... Now I want I want to I want to pray for you. You are here and you know that God has given you an assignment, but money has stood you on your way, finances have been a, a challenge. You haven't obeyed God because you are looking for wealth. where where would I get this? See, when we started the building I, I, I told you about all the money we had at hand was 3.5 million safer and the budget is five hundred millions. from March to August 2020 I was stopped in Burundi for 5 months I went to Burundi for 5 days conference and COVID kept me there 5 months I stayed in no man's land 5 months the day I came back, the next day I told the church we are starting the building, they thought that maybe in Burundi I had connection with one rich man I said you, every time I've, I've been trying to teach you this that you don't need men you don't need men you don't need human vessels see if you have God God has everything, he has all the men he can either use men he can use angels, he can use wise men he can use anything if God means to give you money can use any avenue so I told that we are starting the work the committee that I, I set up for the for the building came to me and begged me said daddy the bible says who is that man who when he wants to build a tower will not sit down and consider I said shut that man in fact they cried somewhere that I fired them I said okay I understand you are not able to do this so you are discharged from your duties See, we brought the caterpillar in to come and level the ground. We paid them 1.5 million. We were left with 2 million. When we finished leveling the ground, I told the engineer that the the temple is finished. The man looked at me. He laughed until he almost fell to the ground. He said, Apostle, do you even understand what what, this building that you want to build? Do you understand what you I said, I'm telling you, the temple is finished. We were left with 2 million so he asked me so when are we starting the work?" i said tomorrow morning he said are you he went to ask my wife are you what apostle is saying does he understand the dynamics my wife said obey listen to what he says so the next morning we collected the two million that we had and gave it gave them to him say start the work he started the work until now it has not stopped and we didn't receive donations from anybody it's not like one one donor, no right? if the day of God will want to use a donor to give money we will receive but we are not looking up to that, we are looking to him because we learned the art of keeping our eyes on him you know, I heard a testimony of a, a man of God one day God asked him, you have two eyes can you make one look up, another one look down at the same time he tried to, and it didn't work like you, some of you just tried and God told him every time you are looking up to men don't say you are looking up to me at the same time because you cannot look up to God and to me at the same time so if your eyes are looking around for who is the richest man that has come to church that will give you the support you cannot be doing that and counting on God at the same time because God see listen to me God will not share his glory with idols see when you get that rich man in your church on whom you count. For whom you are praying. He becomes an idol. That God will not entertain. The moment he comes in. God walks out. See I tell my people. It is an insult to the holiness of God. That you want to start a church program. Or a God's program. Whether building or program like conference. You are doing it for God and counting on a man. It is insulting the holiness of God. Even if Dangote is a deacon in your church. If you want to start building your church, you don't count and say, We thank God deacon, Dangote is here. Ali will get some cement. No. If you do a program for God, looking to a man, you have insulted the holiness of God. God will not share his glory with idols. Lift your hands as I pray. I think the Holy Spirit will give me permission to minister to you, maybe another time. But I just want to pray, Lord, as I lift my hands. Behold, your servants. You call them and you assign them. When you send them to do that which they are doing in your name, before you ever call them, the supply had been was already available. Lord, most of them haven't seen the supply that you made available. Because of the idols and the human limitations. And this morning I have brought your word. And as they lift up their eyes to you. As they look up to you. I pray that the barriers be broken now. I pray that the barriers be broken now. And I pray that the supply of heaven will flow into your hand. I pray that the supply of heaven will flow into your church will flow into your ministry in the name of jesus i pray that the lord will show you his might. i pray that the lord will show you his wonders i pray that the lord will release supernatural supply in the name of jesus whatever the lord has asked you to build you shall build and finish in the name of jesus nothing too big for God to do because our God can save with a multitude like with a a few I pray that after this program today the Lord's hand will be stretched to you in the name of Jesus the God who multiplied bread and fed multitude who multiplied flour and oil in the cruise and in the barrier in Zarephath the God that caused the bird to feed his prophets, that caused fish to bring money to his servants. I pray that that God will show up in your life, show up in your ministry. In the name of Jesus. As a broker of God's economy, I open up these treasures to you. In the name of Jesus. I open up these realms to your life and to your ministry. In the name of Jesus, I pray that henceforth you will not look up to the left or to the right. That your eyes will be lifted to Him and you will talk to God more than you talk to man. In the name of Jesus, if you are under the sound of my voice and you are bound by the spirit of poverty, that poverty is broken today. In the name of Jesus. Every form of lack Every form of need In your life Broken today In the name of Jesus If you are under the sound of my voice And you are indebted And you do not know how to pay your bills Listen to me Debt is a curse The Bible said the borrower is a slave Today as I lift my hands to the Father that slavery is broken from you. I said that slavery is broken from you. That slavery is broken from you. In the name of Jesus. See, see, look here. Pastor, do I have five minutes? In 2006, I was going to Singapore to attend Hagar Institute. And in that time, we who were required to give a down payment of $500 to attend the program. So I delayed to send my $500 because it wasn't there. So one day to the closing date of the payment, I got the money and I went to, then the telephone was not everywhere. So we had to go to internet center to call. So I went and called the Singapore Hagar Institute, Singapore's office. And I told them, please, I want the banking details so I can wire in or Western Union so I can send in my $500. The man that that spoke to me on the other side said, are you Pastor Pierre Nyangok from Cameroon? I said, yes. He said, your matricule number is number so so and so. I said, yes. He said, no. Two weeks ago, you had already sent us the money. I said, wait, it's not me. It's not me. He said, did you say your name is Pastor Nyangok Pierre? I said, yes, from Cameroon, matricule number I said, yes. He said, but you have already sent us the $500 two weeks ago. So I dropped the phone. I ran home. And I told my wife, listen to this thing that this guy is telling me. So my wife said no When he said that I said And I told him the second time it's not me Then he said to me if it is not you Then it is your angel So I went home and I told the story to my wife And my wife is a very prudent woman My my father-in-law used to be Used to work for an insurance company So they know insurance and security She's too careful on security She said to me please, when you are going, so they sent me the ticket, they sent me everything and I'm going to Singapore. My wife said, please take this thousand dollars with you so that you don't get there and then the man made a mistake and they embarrassed you. I went to Singapore. When well, they took us from the airport, took us to the Aga Institute Center. First thing, I went to the finance department and guess what? The man who spoke to me on the phone, is the one I met on that day. So I came to him, I said, good evening, sir. I'm Pastor Pierre from Cameroon. I came to Settle my issues here with you all. He said, Oh, you are the one, the, the gentleman that spoke to me on the phone. The other day, he said, Yes. He pulled out his register. He said, That day you called me. Which day was it? I said, This was the date. So he said, Look at here. Two, exactly two weeks before that day, payment had been done. He said, The man that called me on the phone was you. This voice, I, I, I recorded the voice. And I told him, Sir, the man is mr john i said mr john look look into my eyes no be me call you i spoke the cameroon pigeon i said not be me call you i'd never called you he said the voice was exactly your voice i said see this is my one thousand dollars i brought he said that's been paid already so if it wasn't you it surely was your angel, but it's already paid you can go listen to me angels still pay school fees up until oh man this look i wish i had time to tell you listen to this we stayed three months in ashland pastor three months god said don't call no man don't go anywhere now you know in my mind then you have to go preach so they can bless you you know today i don't have to preach no, God. He told me, "I will show you that I can take care of you and take care of your needs, without you having to. just be with me." We stayed three months in Ashland. We came back to Ashland to Cameroon the day before. I mean, the day after school had resumed. Imagine us, Daddy and Mommy abroad. Five children have to go to school. It's back to school time, and we are not there. And we see why we went Ashland. God sent strange people that came. The first came with one thousand dollars. The Lord said, I should give you this to buy fruits for your for your your room. Money for fruits in Cameroon is not one thousand dollars. When they, I got the first one thousand dollars, I opened the envelope. My wife and I we wanted to start dancing that God has given us money for this for the children's school. And the Lord said, No, it's not for you, put it in an orphan basket. We put from that, I mean, apart from the first one thousand that he had given he had taken from us. He gave eight different people came and gave us thousand dollars, and the Lord said, Put in the offering basket, put in the offering basket, put in the offering basket. Then, three days to the time God was going to release us, you know, we were there three months and we didn't know when was the time to go home. So, three days to the time, one morning we finished prayer, and then we got a knock on the door. This brother comes, he said, Excuse me, man of God, do you have a son that is called Shiloh? I said, Yes, my second. My second born is shiloh he said god showed me a boy he's like this guy i say exactly he said the lord said everything that concerns this boy's needs uh, is on me listen oh my god before we left cameroon before we left cameroon my wife with her crazy faith you know these children of 21st century mama told them Please take a piece of paper, every one of you Write everything you want daddy and mommy We are going for a retreat We are going for a 7 days retreat Now maybe, you know later on I thought Maybe she was counting on the $1,000 we had in our pocket She asked all of them from La Grande To the little, little one Write anything that you want daddy and mommy to bring from America You know what our children can write They will write anything All of them said they want computer, they want phone They want tablet, they want gadget They want all kinds of shoes, clothes, whatever not. Their mommy said to them write two copies you give me one and you keep the other one while mommy is away pray if you pray well god will give the things you have asked so that day when the brother said uh, "Shilo, i told mommy where is shiloh's paper she brought the paper that shiloh had written we just gave it to him he looked he said, okay that's fine say at break time we'll go to the to the mall break time he took us to the mall bought two suitcases full of all kinds of gadgets and clothes and shoes and everything that's not all then he said how about his school fees how much is one academic year how much money does he use tuition books uniforms and money that you give him for every day to go to school calculate all of that and tell me give it to me in u.s dollars we sat down and calculated everything i gave it to him he counted the money he said i won't buy all the things it will be heavy on the plane this is the money He gave me a bundle of dollars like this Somebody with whom I have no relationship God can do anything He can see He can bring someone from Sokoto And give him your name and your address And he comes here in Makodi That was The first uh, the, the Three days to the end of our stay in Ashland We did not know we were at the end of our stay The day before we left I mean the next day We are finishing the prayer in the morning One little old white lady followed me behind. tapped me, Pastor, can I talk to you? I said, yes, ma'am. And she asked me, do you have two daughters? I said, yes. She said, the Lord spoke to me about your two daughters. I said, what about my two daughters? She said, the Lord said, anything that is needs concerning finances and any other need for your two daughters is on me. I said, "Mama, bring the list for LaGrande and Shinone." We brought the list. I gave her the list, and then she said, "I don't have strength to go to the mall with you. Can you please calculate what all this is and tell me in U.S. dollars?" We sat down and calculated everything that my daughters wanted, everything they had written, plus school fees and every other money, and we told this white, this old lady, and she said, "At break." We'll go to the bank. We went to the bank, she pulled up. See, this is me. I don't no preach for no man, I don't no go nowhere, I don't no call no friend. I made it with mountain of dollars. It is not all now. The last day before God released us, are my twin girls in America, twin daughters, spiritual daughters. So when we the Lord released us and said, Now you can go, we call them and say, Oh, finally, oh. The Lord has given us permission to go home. So she then they said, You are going home. How about school? School has started in Cameroon. I said, God is in control, He's taking care. In fact, God has already supplied for Shiloh, for Lagran, and for Shinoni. And then they, they asked, How about this? Your your bell and bishop. I said Well, God, the God who started supplying for their senior will supply for them. They said, No, anything for Bishop and your Bell is on us. Just tell us how much it is pastor the first time we came back to cameroon the school at the resume on monday we arrived tuesday monday night we got there tuesday tuesday morning first time in my life i went to my children's school and i paid the school fees of my children like a big man it's not this thing of first installment and then you wait for a piece of paper and second installment no i just told the boss please calculate everything from beginning to end how much is it and I asked her, do you want me to pay you in dollars or you want me to pay (laughs) them? See it is not finished, that was just then the year after God changed the school of all my children, all of them go to international school the fees for the least of them is 3 million safer a year And out of my five children I only care for two God raised strange people That made covenant with God In their nations wherever they are And they said concerning this child I have made a covenant with God If you buy a pencil to this child You would have sinned against my covenant with God They go to the best schools It's not on me See as I'm talking to you here School is resuming next week in Cameroon I have no pressure in fact before we left they started calling me uh, when are we sending I said I'm going to Nigeria let me come back from Nigeria and then you send whatever my children's schools they take them for field training and exchange programs every year like every year the school say we are taking the children to this country for exchange and it's not me visas passport air tickets everything Paid for by angels. It's, this house, this one. is what God has here. He said, My servant, you do this work without stress. Will you lift your hand one more time? I want to release that grace over you. May the Lord take away any burden from your shoulders. Amen. The burden for your house and the burden for the church. Amen. May the Lord relieve you from the pressures, Amen. financial and material pressures. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I speak the heavens open over your life. I speak the heavens open over your family. May the angels of the Lord rush to you. To come. Jesus, when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible said, and angels ministered to him. May the angels of the Lord come and minister to you. Minister to your needs. In the name of Jesus. Father, I release grace. I release grace over this congregation. And all of you that is watching from your home, wherever you are, in the name of Jesus, I release the grace of God. I release the blessing of the Lord. May you experience supernatural supply. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for doing this and doing more than we can ever articulate with our human words. So be it. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you make it loud. And you celebrate Jesus this morning.